for today, the fifth Sunday in Lent, comes from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are just now trying to stone you, and you are going there again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man had kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and, seen, and saw what Jesus did, then believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I know I admitted last week that I know my own tendency for 90s pop culture references. Sorry, I'm going to do it again. 1996, in my opinion, the greatest science fiction movie of all time, other than Star Wars, Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing it. I remember I was 96. That was the middle of my high school age when that came out. And I remember when the, the trailer came out, and the trailer was so good. Black screen. On July 2nd, they arrive. July 3rd, they attack. Ooh. July 4th, we fight back. Yeah. Right? Oh, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It was such a good movie. And it's, I mean, it's just sci-fi goodness in, in all of its glory. Aliens show up, and everybody's like, oh, what's going to happen? And then, and then they attack, and they destroy countless cities in giant fireballs, which is really scary and bad. And, and then uh, everybody who's left binds, b- binds, bonds, bonds, gets together, and they fight back, and they, they, we, we beat the aliens, and it's glorious, at least until 20 years later when they made a sequel that nobody wanted. But it's such a great movie. It's so good. But here's the thing about movies like this. I've, I've noticed this from watching them. There's always a moment. It's, it's a scene that happens usually about two-thirds of the way through the movie. It's that emotional gut punch where they, they let you know that the stakes are really high. Now, in this particular movie, during the attack, the first lady had been injured. She, she'd, uh, and she'd been found by some survivors, and eventually they get to this secret underground base where the president is and, and the rest of their family and kind of all the important people. And they, they take her into the, the hospital area, and, and, uh, and then soon the doctor comes out, and he's got this, this sad look on his face, and well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, she's, she's got internal bleeding, and if we'd only gotten to her sooner, and, I mean, you see where this goes, but, but it's that idea, if, if, if we'd only gotten to her sooner, if you'd only been here sooner, we're too late. That's the idea that I want to take and jump into this story with, with the raising of Lazarus. Now, we got to kind of set the scene. Here in John's gospel, there's this family, these two sisters and this brother, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, that seem to have this very, very deep, uh, strong connection, a strong relationship with Jesus. Now, we don't know the background. We're never really given that. Uh, but throughout the course of John's gospel, we, we find out that, okay, there's, there's this very close relationship. And Lazarus has gotten sick. And it's not just a simple head cold where he's going to shake it off in a couple of days. He's really, really sick. And Mary and Martha seem to recognize, okay, he's, he's not going to get better from this. Now, Jesus has been performing countless miracles through this time. In John's gospel, we hear them called signs, but they're miracles. Lots of different healings. He heals all kinds of different people from tons and tons of different things. 
Uh, in fact, we even hear a reference to when he healed the man that was born blind. That was our story from last week that we talked about. So all of this stuff has been going on. And Mary and Martha think, well, okay, Lazarus is sick. Jesus can do something about this. We got to get a message to him. But they can't just pull out their cell phone and call him. Technology wasn't there yet. Telegraphs, they weren't around yet either. So word spreads at the speed of walking. They send someone to go find Jesus. Now, we don't know how far away he is. We don't know how much time passes between, hey, go get Jesus, and when the message finally gets to him. But when the message gets to him, there's this really weird response that Jesus has. Lazarus is sick. Hmm, okay, let's stay here two more days. And they hang out, and they kind of keep doing whatever it is that they're doing. And, and during this time, he's, he's talking with the disciples. He's kind of talking about this situation with Lazarus and talking about how, oh, well, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but we're going to go wake him up. And, and then there's this weird misconception, and they don't quite know, understand what's going on, and they don't quite know. And, and finally, Jesus is very plain. Okay, Lazarus has died. Well, we're going to go, and the glory of God is going to be shown in this moment. And so then they take off. And they go to Bethany, which is where Lazarus lives. And we don't know how long it takes them to get there. Again, the speed of walking, however long it takes to get there. So by the time Jesus comes strolling into Bethany, Lazarus has died. He's been buried, and he's been in the tomb four days. Four days. So he's dead. And understandably, the sisters are upset. They're mourning. They're grieving. And who can blame them? Now, when Martha hears that Jesus is on, her way, uh, on his way, she goes out and she meets him. And I think there's some probably upset, anger, little bit of rebuke in what she says. Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. If you'd gotten here sooner, he wouldn't have died. Now, they kind of have this back and forth exchange. Jesus makes the promise. He will rise again, and they do a little teaching moment. And then Martha runs off, and she gets Mary. And Mary comes out, and Mary has the exact same response, literally verbatim. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They are both upset. They are both grieving, and I can't blame them. Sometimes when we are grieving, we have emotional reactions to things, and we don't quite know what to make of them. And we look to whoever we can, to hopefully make it better or to receive the blame or the emotion or whatever that we're feeling. I think that's human nature for us all to do it. And it kind of seems like this month, a lot of people are experiencing this general sense. I've had a lot of conversations with people in the last couple of weeks, and they all kind of go like this. How you doing? Well, I'm tired. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I am too. And we talk, we've talked about it, and I've heard a lot of different reasons as people just have this just mild unease. And it seems like winter has been kind of rough this year. And January and February were dark, and they were gloomy. And January and February are always dark and gloomy. It's just kind of normal. That's why they talk about, uh, what do they call that? Uh, winter, I'm calling it the wrong thing, but winter's hard. It's dark and gloomy. None of us really like that. We all need some vitamin D. We all need to get outside in the sun. And that's been rough. And March has had this really weird weather pattern 
where about once a week it threatens winter weather right up to today. We had it again. And it sort of seems like that, that once a week pattern is just tiring and is just rough and it's kind of messing with all of us. And I've heard people say that the time change back on daylight savings a couple of weeks ago has been rough and, and we're all still sort of like, wow, we're still wrestling with that. And different people have said, you know, there's a lot of sickness going around right now. And it seems like every other week we're hearing about someone else has got a tough diagnosis and we worry about those people and we're, we're trying to care for one another. And it's just kind of one thing after another, after another, after another. And I think collectively grief is maybe a good way to describe that. And maybe we're kind of scratching our heads and thinking, Lord, where are you on this? Where are you on this? I call things like that, things like these different situations that I've just described, I call them little deaths. You know, it's not literal death, but they kind of pile up. And I think we all have these various reactions to them as time goes on and one thing happens and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens. And we're all perhaps looking for a sign, some hope, something to hold on to. And we look to God and like, God, where are you on this? Now, maybe about this time of year, typically by the end of March, which is where we're at right now, we're starting to see signs of spring. I was thinking back to a year ago. At this time, a year ago, the lawns were already beginning to tint up. The, 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 trees, the sap was running in the trees, the buds were starting to break, we were even starting to see a few of the little tiny leaves on some of those early ones. The signs of the new life of spring were very present. This year, nope, not happening. And I mean, we couldn't have planned a snowstorm better, not that I wanted a snowstorm, but here we are again, and it's just holding on. And today is maybe we're feeling the exact same thing. And it's like, God, where are you? Can we get a sign of something good? I think Mary and Martha were experiencing that. I think perhaps the other people that were there that knew Lazarus were also thinking that. Maybe the disciples were thinking that. But here's the deal. If we get anything from the Gospels, if we learn anything, it's that we have a God who specializes in creating new life out of death. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. Do you believe it? Martha expresses belief even if she doesn't quite know what she's believing in. The various signs that we have, the miracles that we have are listed so that we as the readers may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and in doing so have life in his name. That's listed out in the gospel. Those signs are there. And in the case of Lazarus, Jesus literally creates new life out of death. He cries out in a voice that is somehow larger, greater, bigger than death. Lazarus hears him and, I, and comes walking out, all wrapped up, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus is literally alive again. In two weeks, it'll be Easter. And we see that God will yet again literally create new life out of death in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that those signs those little glimmers that give us hope, they are present if we look for them, if we watch for them, and we keep our eyes peeled for them. How many people have seen a robin already this year? Yeah. I think they showed up, and then it got lousy, and then they're all hunched up, like, man, why did we get here now? But there's another one. There's something that I look for every single year. Right outside that corner of the church, 
there is a flower bed, and it is perfectly uh, situated to be sheltered from north wind, and it catches the south sun, and there is a tulip out there. And some of you have seen the picture because I posted it a few days ago. Tulips are one of the first flowers to come up, and by God, that tulip is up out there. March kind of sucks this year. Agreed? Yeah. There's a lot of lousy stuff, but thanks be to God that even in the midst of the junk, there are signs of life. May those give us hope. And I think amen.